Now, I'm not, I'm not big, uh, nothing against it. I've just not been big in any, any of the uh, reality series on TV. I know, I know there are, are a lot. But, uh, but uh, several weeks ago, Barbie and I, she had a TV on on Thursday night. And, uh, and I think there was something came out in the paper here that there was a local man that was going to be involved in a, on the History Channel in this series called Alone. Um, and uh, so I'm always one to support our local fellers. And so we turned it on and uh, I, I, got, I got hooked. From the first, Sunday I saw, uh, first Thursday night I saw it, I got hooked. Uh, here was Alan Kay, uh, a, a local guy, with, with nine other men that uh, that were going, they were going to take to a an island. I think it was Vancouver Island, off the coast of uh, western coast of Canada, and they 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 dropped them off at different locations, and uh, and the challenge was uh, they had a, a few things they could take. Each one got to choose some things they could take, but they had to see how long they could survive alone with no other no human contact. And, and, of course, the challenge was to be able to find something to eat. I mean, that ended up for some being rats and snails and a lot of seaweed looked like, looked like slime stuff. But anyway, they, they ate that stuff. And, uh, and to be able to get fire, build a shelter. Uh, for some, the challenges were uh, they, there was a lot of bears and some cougar and, and even some wolves, I think, on, on this island. Uh, and the, and the, the, the incentive was... That the, the, the person who could last the longest surviving alone, would, there was going to be a $500,000 payout. And, uh, and, and I, I love that. I love Washington. I was addicted because it wasn't a matter of them trying to convince people to vote them on or vote them off. It was them seeing if they could really, how they could do it. You know, how they could, how they could do this. It's challenging. And um, I watched, and I, as they all started out eager and their heart was in this competition, but, but soon, uh, different things happened. Different things happened. Uh, for some, it was just the weather. Man, I've never, you know, rain and wind and sleet and wind and wind and all the weather. For some, that would just wear on their nerves, I'm telling you. And, uh, but it was, it was just, it, it just wore them down. And uh, I think some of the earlier ones to tap out, they all had a sat phone, sat phone they could call, was the, the fear of... Uh, a bit of the animals. I mean, uh, bears right there, cougars. And, uh, and, and I remember hearing one of the com- uh, contestants say, you know, it's just not worth it. $500,000 is not worth giving your life for. And so one by one, I watched, I watched it was interested at what, uh, what just drained, what sapped them of their, of their determination. All of them were so determined. Well, long story short, and that's not my message, but it, it's important that you get this. Uh, Alan, on, on the 50, I think it's 56th day, right? 56th day. Uh, he was the last one. He didn't know, his, none, they, none of them knew how many had left or whatever. On the 56th day, they, they contact him by his phone and say they need to do a wellness check. Now, I'd kind of, last uh, the week before, you know, I'm thinking he really might make, because the week before he kind of made this comment. Uh, you know, they're either going to have to come and get me in a medevac and medevac me out of here, or they'll come and take my corpse off. Now I thought, now, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> it's easy for me to say that while I was sitting in my house, you know, eating something warm. And even though the competition was last year, the show was just airing this year. And, um, so they, they meet 
And, uh, of course, and then they, they let him know that he's the last one, 56 days. And, and, uh, and, and he survived, and he won. But all the rest of them, it was interesting to me that the struggles, and it all came down to when they lost heart. When, when they lost the heart. I mean, some of them, they, they, they had had a food supply. They had figured out what they could eat. Some of them had, had a good shelter and they had a fire. Even the one contestant they had, had even made a, some kind of a stringed instrument. I thought, man, that guy, he's laying back singing, you know. And I thought, he's, he's there for the duration. But one by one, they lost heart. This morning, I want to talk to you about don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. It's not over. It's not over. Um, whether it's, whether it's uh, a, a, a game, a contest that you're in, whether it's uh, uh, your job, whether it's a ministry. If you're involved in a ministry and you lose heart, Warren, in the ministry, uh, you're going to have a you're going to have a substandard result. Whether it's your marriage, some of you uh, you know you've been in, in relationships and you just you lose heart. Maybe it's looking around at what happens. It's what's happening around you this week in uh, in Ashland, Kentucky. Kim Davis became the first Christian in America to be jailed as a result of the Supreme Court decision legalizing gay marriage. Um, Now, I have yet to get someone to tell me what law she broke. Supreme Court of our land does not make laws. All laws originate and are passed in the Congress. And, 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 and thinking about, but, but I see people, we lose heart when we see things happening. And, and uh, Kim, in her statement, listen to what she said. She's in jail now, still in jail now in Kentucky, jailed, ordered to jail by, a, by one judge. And she, listen, listen to what her closing statement was. She said, I'm just, I'm just a vessel God has chosen for this time and this place, she said. I'm no different than any other Christian. It was my appointed time to stand, your time will come. Now, in, 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 in praying about this message, I asked Jackie, I said, Jackie, pull me up some stuff on Alan. And I said, pull me off some stuff on, on, on Kim Davis. And I said, pull me off, if you can, pull me off. Uh, there was a dissenting vote in the Supreme Court decision that came out in June. And I said, pull me up some, I'd like, I thought I'd get Scalia, but it was actually Alito that, that, and the dissenting comments. But instead, Jackie pulled me off the complete uh, uh, opinion, Supreme Court opinion. She's so thorough. And I, and, I, and I need to acknowledge that in June and up, and up until this week, I had basically been reading what people said about the decision or, or taking someone else's word for, for the decision. Listen from the decision, and this was written by Justice Kennedy uh, with the with the uh, Majority, and by the way, the court case was a five-four decision. It was razor thin, and five, uh, two of the five judges who ruled in favor of legalizing same-sex marriages in every state. Two of those judges had already performed same-sex weddings, and by any legal standards, should have recused themselves, but refused to because they knew without that the votes wouldn't be there. But writing for the 
majority, Justice Kennedy, along with Ginsburg, Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan, wrote this. And I, 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 I would apologize, but I'm not going to because it's too critical. I, I hate being read to unless Barbie reads to me, and, and I love to be read to by Barbie most of the time if a ball game's not on. Uh, but, but you need to hear, this is the majority. This is the majority. These are the five justices that said we're going to legalize same sex. We think, we think there's a constitutional right. Oh, there's nothing in the Constitution about it. But, but, but I'm not going there. But listen, listen to these words. Finally, it must be emphasized that religions and those who adhere to religious doctrines may continue to advocate with utmost sincere conviction that by divine precepts, same-sex marriage should not be condoned. Now, this is, the, this is the, the five justices who said we're going to legalize this, but you need to understand those who are opposed to this have the same. It goes on. It says, the First Amendment assures that religious organizations and persons are given proper protection as they seek to teach the principles that are so fulfilling and so central to their lives and faiths and to their own deep aspirations to continue the family structure they have long revered. Now, that was the opinion of the majority written June, uh, around June 26th. It's not even been three months, not even three months. And in the rush to political correctness and in the, the oversweep of this, well, listen to what, and, and I, again, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bore you much at all with this, but it is critical because I'm laying a foundation in the, in, in the dissenting, one of the dissenting justice Alito said this. Today's decision usurps the constitutional right of the people to decide whether to keep or alter the traditional understandings of marriage. The decision will also have other important consequences. This is the sentence I want you to listen to. Justice Alito said, it will be used to vilify Americans who are unwilling to assent to the new orthodoxy. Now listen, listen. In the course of its opinion, he continues, the majority compares traditional marriage laws to laws that denied equal treatment for African-Americans and women. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is this. I walk in the house late Thursday afternoon and the TV on, is, is on and uh, what's, the, what's the commentator's name there? Shepard Smith. Shepard Smith is, is, is commenting about the clerk in Kentucky that's been arrested. And in disparaging comments, he, he, said, he said, she is just trying to use the same tactics that Southerners used for years to deny blacks their civil rights. They were unsuccessful and she will be unsuccessful. And he continued. And I, I, I told Barbie, it's a good thing I didn't have a gun in my hand. I would have shot the TV probably. Uh, but I'm so, I was so, I was so, goes way beyond a reporter because then he says this. 
He says, because her kind is regulated to people like Judge Roy Moore in Alabama and their minions. Well, it can cause you to lose heart. Little did we envision how quickly, but Judge Alito knew, Justice Alito, uh, he knew, and he warned of it. Well, we see that. I see what's happening with the, with the law enforcement in our country. Are under, they're under attack. Men and women now are being shot and killed because they simply have on a uniform of, of a civil servant, of a, of a police officer or a sheriff's deputy. And the protection that's given to people of the movement of the Black Lives Matter. I get so sick of that. Ben Carson is exactly right when he said every life matters. Every life is important before the Lord. From the moment of conception to the moment of parting this life and going into eternity, every life, every second is precious. It's a precious gift from God. And when more protection is given to, to demonstrators who are publicly, you heard them this week, the comments they used, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, people marching with them, black and white, all of all, all races, it wasn't just black people, it was all races, anarchy, and people calling, what were they saying, something or another, bang, 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 calling for the killing of, of law officers. Wow. And we can look and we can say, someone asked me, what is the difference between, uh, you know, what is the, the difference? What did, what did Kim Davis do that rose to the point of a federal judge putting her in jail? I mean, again, I, can't, I, I don't know of a new law that was written that she broke. And our, and our chief law enforcement officer of her land, who, who takes a testimony of theirs, he swears and vows to keep the laws of the land, and yet cherry picks, I'm not going to enforce don't ask, don't tell. I'm not going to enforce. I'm going to, cre- I'm going to uh, condone and go along with sanctuary cities. And there's no repercussions. We look at all this happening and we can lose heart. We can get discouraged. But those aren't the only things that can cause us to lose heart. Disease. I've wore out one interpreter. <laughs> Disease. Disease can cause us to lose heart. You can, a disease, and, and some of you are, are struggling with this. You've got family, you've had loved ones, you've got spouses. And, 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 and disease can wear you down. Wear you down. Debt can cause some people to lose heart. Matter of fact, many people, many people commit suicide because they're so far in debt and they get frustrated or they've lost millions of money and they and they've equated well life's not worth living well i want to tell you if life's not worth living unless you've got millions we're all in trouble you know i want to tell you it's not the it's not the size of your bank account it's how big your god is yeah and i'll tell you my god is not green he likes blue he painted the skies blue i don't know about what it says about north carolina but anyway he likes red and black for georgia too anyway (laughs) but 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 (laughs) had to throw that in there i know for my florida people had to throw that in there Uh, But disease can cause you to lose heart. Debt can cause you to lose heart. Death. Death can cause some people to lose heart. I know of people that have prayed for a loved one 
and, 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 and that's, that's, that's uh, battled and struggled with situations or a tragedy. And all of a sudden, uh, there's, there's, the person they prayed for it dies. And, they, and, and it, call, it shakes their very faith to the foundation. Well, why did God allow this to happen? I prayed he wouldn't let it happen. And they, they're shaken. They're discouraged. They get depressed. They lose heart. In Ephesians chapter 3, I want you to join me there. And uh, I, I, I'll, I'll give you, I'll just share this. I'll start to say, I'll, I'll, I'll warn you. I won't warn you. Let me just tell you. I, I got, I, I knew it was going to be a matter of when we started studying Ephesians 3 in our Bible study, men's Bible study. In Ephesians 3, prayer, pray, Paul prays the second prayer that he, he, he writes in, in the book of Ephesians. He's writing to the followers of Christ in Ephesus. And the first prayer he prays in the early part of the letter in chapter 1. In the first prayer, Paul is trying to tell the followers of Christ about all that they have in Christ. And so he prays for enlightenment. He prays that they would know. And he prays that they would know that God's called them before the foundation of the world. world of the world. He prays that, that they would know that, they, that Jesus Christ has redeemed us and put us in right relationship. He prays that they would know that the Holy Spirit of God has sealed us and, has, and indwells us. So he prays for believers to know who they are and, and what they have in Christ. As Paul continues writing to them this letter, that was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. When he gets to chapter 3, now in verse 13, he, he tells them about that he's in jail. He's writing from jail. But he's concerned, and let's see why he's concerned. Verse 13, chapter 3, verse 13. He says, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is, what, which is for your glory. Paul's concern for the Christians that he was writing the letter to was he had heard that some of them was losing heart. He has heard that they were discouraged. How could they be discouraged? Well, because the, 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 the guy who had led them to faith in the Lord is now in prison, maybe killed. Huh? And, and because not only that, but now their very faith was under attack. Huh? Sound familiar? And Paul knew that if they lost heart, they couldn't finish well. They would give up. They would get discouraged. Their ministry would suffer. The message would suffer. So Paul says, I'm asking you not to, to lose heart. Look at the next verse. And he says, for this reason, for what reason? He, I, I bow my knees before the Lord. He is praying for them not to lose heart. Now, I believe that the prayer that Paul prayed for the followers of Jesus Christ in Ephesus is just as timely and is just as appropriate for you and, 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 and me today as it was then for them. And so what I want us to look at this in this message of don't lose heart. And like I said, I'm probably going I'm to start today. Next Sunday, Lord willing, we've got Pastor Greg Mathay from South Africa, who is a tremendous preacher. Oh my goodness. He's one of those guys can, you know, he can, he, he can, he convert telephone poles if they could bend. He, he's, he can preach. 
And Pastor Greg's going to be with us next Sunday, Lord willing. But then, Lord willing, two weeks from today is when we will probably finish this prayer because it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's overwhelming. And it's just, and I don't want us, I want us, I want us just to walk through it, kind of take it apart and walk through it. And the first thing I want you to know is that Paul is, is, what, is, is how he starts this. Paul says, he says, I, I want you to know it's for this reason that I am bowing my knees in prayer so that you won't lose heart. Now, he's, he's praying here not for them to know who they are, but he's praying for enablement. He's praying for them to be who they know they are in Christ, but now to be that, to be able to live that out in every area of their lives. Now, I think that's awesome. And to do that, he prays two general things. He prays, one, that they would be filled with the love of God. And then he prays that they would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit so that they wouldn't lose heart. And he, 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 he looks back at this and he begins with, with praying. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees unto the Father. Now, today, when we think of praying, we, a lot of times, most of the time, we'll think of, of bowing our knees, coming to the altar and bending and praying. But when Paul wrote this, most of the Jewish background believers, would, they were more familiar with the, with the prayer. That the, the prayer would have been standing. And he might, he might raise his hands. He might look up to heaven. But he's praying. The prayers that would have brought one to one's knees or would have even brought one to one's face before the Lord was a sign of, of how serious, a sign of how they wanted, to know, wanted God to know how serious they were about this prayer. And so they weren't standing, they were prostrating themselves. They were on their knees, they're on their face before God. So Paul, as he shares this, he, they're getting the message, this is, a, this is a big deal. This is an important prayer. It's a critical thing not to lose heart. And if I've lost heart, what do I do? And if I'm losing heart, what do I do? We're going to look at that. Let's look what he says. He says, I bow my knees to the Father, before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Okay? Now, verse 16. He's he's kind of, and and Paul is kind of laying these out, and it's, it's kind of, I feel like you're climbing a ladder. Or I did as I was looking at this. So maybe you can think of them as, as rungs on the ladder with me. He says, first of all, I'm praying that according to the riches of his glory. Now, that's just an interesting phrase right there. And I'm just going to hit it and then we're going on. The riches of his glory is a term that Paul uses. He uses the riches of his grace back in chapter one, the riches of his glory. And when he refers to God's riches, it is a reference to an inexhaustible supply, limitless. God can never write you a check that will bounce. God will always keep the promises he makes. His glory is inexhaustible. His grace is inexhaustible. His riches are beyond exhaustion. That's our God. And he says, I'm praying that according to his riches and glory, that God would grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And again, I, every part of this is so important. So I, I want the Holy Spirit to, to help us understand this. 
that he would grant us to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now, this inner man. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul, Paul gives us a little insight to who he's talking about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says, For this cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Now, hey, all of us know about this outward man, right? I mean, pretty, pretty simple. We wash it, we dry it, we clothe it. Some of us still comb it. Others of us just rub it. <laughs> we feed it. We, we take care of it. It's, it's, it's our man, it's our bodies and its needs. And, and it's okay, it's good. Matter of fact, we're told in 1 Corinthians says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is within us. But our bodies are getting older, older. For some of us, it may not be the age. We may say it's the mileage. But whether it's the mileage or whether it's the age, we feel the effects of that, right? A little bit of ibuprofen, a little bit of the Breathe Right Strip, you know, heat pad on my shoulders. I'm ready for bed, yeah? We... Uh, Barbie, Barbie told me this morning, she said, you really worried me last night about the way you was breathing. I said, you are to be me. I'm tired. <laughs> I worked all night on this thing, man. That's our outer bodies. And, and we all deal with those. Our bodies are growing. They're getting weak. They're getting weaker. But listen to me. But Paul says for Christians... We have this inner man, our spirit, this inner man that is being strengthened, that is being refreshed, that is being renewed every day. And for that, God's people say, pray, amen, praise the Lord. It's here, it's here in this inner man. It's here in this spirit that Paul prays for God's strengthening work to begin in our spirit. And, and God infuses that inner man by his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God re, re, infuses that in the deepest levels of who we are. Now, if you have lost heart or if you are losing heart, you've been discouraged, your help comes from God. He comes to your rescue you didn't have to start it. He does. All we have to do are ask or somebody prays for us. That's what Paul's doing here. He's praying for them that God would strengthen them. Hey, they're losing heart. I don't want them to lose heart, God. Strengthen them down inside in their inner man. Now, when that happens, you may not immediately feel differently. You may not necessarily immediately feel what's taking place. But it's foundational. It's important. Now, notice what he says. As the Holy Spirit strengthens us in our inner man, in our hearts. Notice what he says next. We're verse, uh, what are we on? Verse uh, 17. Ephesians 3, 17. 
He says he prays that, that God will strengthen us with his spirit, by, with might, by his spirit in the inner man. And that, now some of your translations right there is going to have so that. Anybody got, got a translation that says that? So that? Yeah. He prays that God would strengthen us in our, by his might in our inner man, by his spirit, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, for the, for the believer, this is one, this is 100. This is, this is salvation 100. Okay? Not 101, 100. Foundational. Now, just look at this, um, the word up here, first of all. He prays that, that he would strengthen us in our spirit so that in our spirit we, we would know that Christ may dwell. The word dwell, we don't use, we don't say, where do you dwell? We would say, where do you live? Where do you live? Somebody said abide, yeah, same word. Where do you live? And he's praying that Christ may make his home in our heart. That the strengthening of the spirit results in you sensing this personal presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart as your faith is renewed. As your faith, he says, through faith, as our faith is renewed. Now, this is, uh, this is so simple. This is so, again, basic. A lot of times with kids, I've shared with them God's plan of salvation. We've, we've talked about God loving us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross that whosoever, if we believe in him, would not perish but have everlasting life. We've shared from Revelations 3.20 where Jesus would say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and have fellowship with him and he with me. And so I've prayed this prayer with the kids and I said, now, now, according to God's word, where is Jesus now? And I want them to see he's in my heart. He's in my heart. That's where he lives. Now, it's, it's interesting. Go with me to John. I've got John. Where did I get that? John chapter 14. John 14. Yeah. In John 14, this is a prayer. Jesus is telling him he's going back to the Father, but if he goes back, they're going to be better off. And, and Judas, not as scary, says, Lord, how are you going to reveal yourself? How are you going to manifest yourself unto us and not unto the world at this time? Look at Jesus' answer. It's very important. Jesus answered and said to him, if a man loves me, he'll keep my words. And my Father will love him. Now look at this. And we, who's we? Jesus, he says, and we will come to him. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He said, me and my father. We're going to come unto him and what? Make our abode. This is that word again. Dwell. Make our abode with him. We're going to live with him. Jesus says, through the Holy Spirit of God coming and living in the heart of every Christian, there is a indwelling presence. Jesus lives in our hearts. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. We're not alone. We don't need to lose heart by thinking we're all alone because we belong to him. We belong to him. That is so critical. This, uh, this faith that was once wavering, this faith that was once weakening, this faith that was losing heart, 
You know what happens is, is, is what happens with, with, with Alan and them is they would begin, the aloneness would begin, begin taking its toll. And for the Christian, one of the things that the enemy does is try to make you feel alone, abandoned, forgotten. Where Brother Jim has been ministering recently, one of the prayer requests for the Christians where he's ministering was, we feel the world church has forgotten us. We are feeling so abandoned. We're losing heart. And Paul prays that as the Holy Spirit strengthens our inner, our, our inner man with his spirit, there's infusion of this Holy Spirit that then we will again realize that as that faith is reawakened and refreshed, that we will once again remember the promises and the presence of Jesus Christ within us. We belong to him. And nothing, no situation can change that. I'm going to stop. Uh, I'm going to stop, but I want you to go on. I want you to, to, to look at this prayer because the next again it's like climbing a ladder the next rung he goes up on and and he just says here he says that you that that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love see our, 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 our awakened faith has been reassured by Jesus promises that he's with us and now that we know that we belong to him, and now that we are, realize again that he loves us, and now we remember our identity in him, in Christ, Paul says that we'll be rooted and grounded. And he uses this beautiful picture of a mixed metaphor. Plants are rooted, buildings are grounded. We'll talk about it next time we're there, but look at it. And now when you get to this point, on that ladder, you may be, uh, uh, up until here, there may not, have been any, may not have been any different emotions or feelings coming along. We're just acting on the, on the, uh, by faith, by faith, on the sure promise of God. On, by faith in God's word. But when you get to this rung, there may be something that you begin feeling again. We'll talk about that. Let's, let's stop. Father, it's so important. Your word is so appropriate today. Lord, it's timely. It's, it's timeless. From, the, from before the beginning to past the end of time, your word's there. Always settled in heaven. And Lord, your word is, is, uh, today brings to us that, that awakening, that insight, that freshness, that truth of what can help us so that we don't lose heart. Or if we have lost heart, to once again understand and grasp hold of who we are in you and who you are in us. Help us to be all that you said we are in Christ, to live that out. Lord, we pray today. We pray today for uh, those Christians that find themselves imprisoned in Iran, in North Korea, in Kentucky, in Georgia, in the Sudan, in other parts of the world, and some in prisons, and the news media don't know their name, and this never reported, but you know each one. They're yours, and you love them. And my prayer today is a prayer that Paul prayed, 
Lord, that you would encourage them, that you would infuse with them, in, within them this, this fresh, refreshing strength in the spirit of realizing you're with them. They're not alone. They're not alone. Now, Father, you do everything you want to do in our lives. And may our lives bring you glory. In Christ I pray. Amen.